News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio where you want it, when you want it. Good morning, and welcome to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Jay Thomas. With me, like always, one of the Van Diamond Dykes. Today, we've got Jill with me. Good morning, Jill. Good morning. Rick is still away, enjoying the sunshine somewhere warm. Sending me pictures of bougainvilleas and tropical plants, <laughs> hibiscus every day, them basking in the sun. Uh, you know what? You'll get your revenge here pretty soon, too, because you're going away in a little bit as well. Yeah, so heading off to the tropics next week. So it'll be we're going to we're going to switch places. We've got a special guest today. We're glad to have Robin Adair from Arborcrest with us. Hi, Robin. Hey, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for coming on. Yes, thanks for having me. This is great to have Robin back. We've had Robin as a previous guest before. We're glad to have him here. He's an expert when it comes to tree pruning, obviously, and then tree health and shrub health. And that's what today we're going to kind of focus on, right? Yeah, I'm really Mm -hmm. excited to have Robin on the show today. I know even last week we had lots of pruning questions and we would be like, hey, let's table that for uh, (laughs) when Robin comes next week. Uh, So whether you have a cherry tree or apple tree, lots of fruit tree questions we've been getting Mm -hmm. lately, especially um, about when to prune, what to prune, um, how to prevent disease in your yard. Um, if you had to fix things before you have a problem, call us and Robin's your expert. Or the rescue. You got a tree that's splitting in half or yeah. there's a big branch that's coming down or you're worried about that happening. Uh, Robin can help answer that question today. one 877 is how you the conversation. You can send us text messages through that number or, of course, call us and we'll get your call on right away as well. Yeah, I, li- I like that. Last time we were on the show and we were chatting and um, it was, it's like you're like the, the tree doctor. You get to <laughs> like... You guys are like put the bones back together yeah. and fix them up and bind them back together. My mom's really proud of me. I became a surgeon. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. <laughs> a tree, tree surgeon. surgeon. That's right. Yeah, that's good. Pins and yeah, bolts. So you put bolts and cables in so a tree that's fallen over. Actually, right now a lot of trees are, are losing their their moisture content, so you'll see a, a crack possibly opening up. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of a warning sign that something should be done. So we put bolts in them, put a cable in them, and hold them together for. As long as Mother Nature will allow, and it's it's very rewarding actually saving a tree, and maybe it's a tree that the grandfather planted in a yard, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know those uh, memorial kind of trees. So yeah, no, it's really rewarding being awesome. a surgeon. Awesome. So <laughs> so besides being a surgeon, what prompted the passion for getting into being an arborist and uh, starting sort of um, this this career path of fixing trees all over Saskatoon and Saskatchewan. I think like a lot of Saskatchewan people had a farming background, so I did spend a lot of time at our farm down by Rosetown. And um, I, I, my dad dropped me off at the golf course at uh, Saskatoon Country, Country Club at grade 11. And he's like, here's a job for you. You're going to be working at a golf course maintenance crew. So we go out and prune or go out and um, mow, the, mow the greens in, in the morning. I was like, and we'd go out and prune after. I was like, I couldn't, get, wait, couldn't wait to get out and, and prune the trees because I could really see that it really made a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, because a golf course, they don't usually tend to their trees as, as well as they should. But we get out there and just feel really good about printing. It's like, I really like doing this. I can really see that it's, that it's something I like to do. So I went to Olds actually to become a uh, Olds College in Alberta to become a golf course superintendent. I didn't like the 4.30 in the mornings and, uh, you know, the early day, early mornings, <laughs> taking care of getting up and get, uh, mowing greens before the, the golfers would get out. So anyway, they, they just started the ARB, the Arboriculture Program at Olds. And uh, I was just on the tail end of my turf, uh, turf diploma. And uh, we all like. I think half of our turf class got into trees. We just got right into it. A fellow named Dwayne Newstetter was out there teaching, and you just everybody just got into it. I went to the Calgary Zoo after Olds. I was in the Zoo and Botanic Gardens. I was their main arborist there for quite a few years. Well, I started my own company in Calgary, sold the company in Calgary, moved back home, and 
of Hat Arbor Crest here for, I think it's 15 years. Yeah. Wow. As of this year, it'll be 15 years. Congratulations. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, long time so expert here. That's amazing because you got experience kind of in not just, well, I mean, working in the botanical gardens. Yeah. There's all kinds of, you know, wild exotic things there, right? So oh, yeah. you spent your time also working on stuff that doesn't grow here, which gives you a, a whole lot of information. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's a lot and, of fun. And then the lawn stuff too, right? I mean, that was what you started with. So yeah. very cool. Very yeah. cool. So yeah, Robin's the expert. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. So, um, Robin, like, how have things evolved in your industry over the years? Um, like, I know before you probably started off, and you would be called for problems and issues and things like that. And where has the industry of being an arborist evolved? Oh, it's it's pretty much stayed the same. I mean, trees are growing, shrubs are growing. Bugs and diseases come through randomly. Other, you know, sometimes they're predictable. Sometimes they're unpredictable. Um, it's 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 a busy industry. Uh, you know, just trying to keep uh, people around and helping out and uh, a good trained staff. Um, I just want to give a thanks to my to my crew. We got a got a great crew. We actually do snow removal in the winter, right? Because mm-hmm. it's so it gets so cold here. In, in Saskatoon is different. We are in Calgary. You get the Chinooks coming through and then it, it melts the snow up. Mm-hmm. It's all but a little bit tough to prune right now when there's five feet of snow. In we were talking backyards. about that. And it's hard to even get to the city yeah. trees because of all the, the snow piles along the Wind, streets. Windrows, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So luckily we're doing some uh, city pruning right now, uh, for the city of Saskatoon. And that, that keeps things going and keeps, uh, keeps the crew uh, busy. And, uh, um, but yeah, it's just, I haven't really evolved. It's it's just um, I think a lot more technology, I guess, with uh, just the way that we interact. We have just a different software for our company, and how we um, let people know that we're coming. And um, what about I mean, even yeah. like how you get up a tree? Like that just is fascinating for me. Like yeah. do you now you have like trucks with baskets and booms and stuff. How did mm-hmm. you do it when like? How did people used to do it? Did everybody just have to climb a tree or use a ladder before? Yeah, there's so much. You're right there. There's so much technology in in in, in climbing that's evolved in the last say 10, 15 years mm-hmm. compared to when I started. And just some of the knots we used to use, the climbing saddles are basically the same. The ropes are the same, but just the knots and the evolution of climbing, uh, it's becoming more uh, ergonomic. Uh, so just different technologies and uh, people on the internet sharing YouTube uh, clips on how to climb. And uh, there's tree uh, competitions um, once a year uh, for a prairie chapter, ISA, which is mm-hmm. International Society of Arborists. Prairie chapter has a climbing competition. And that's where uh, all the arborists from the prairies get together and they, they, share, they share their talents, they share their knowledge. And it's great. It's, um, you know, that's, there's definitely a progression and there's a lot more um, technology and, and tricks that people are coming up with to climb, but, but climb safely. Mm-hmm. I yeah. suppose maybe one change that's happened in your industry uh, that makes it more challenging for, for you guys is we've had a loss of chemicals you can use to prevent some bugs and diseases and things like that. They're not on the market anymore, right? Yeah, exactly. That's made it probably more challenging in some ways. Yeah, yeah. So it's just more becomes uh, take care of the tree, just like just like a human. Just make sure that you're getting your vitamins, maybe, you know, just uh, try to avoid and, and do preventative um, pruning on the trees just before, just keep them healthy, keep them happy. Right. Right. So you have a birch tree that gets stressed, that gets water stressed. That's when those bronze birch borers and stuff t- starting attacking the birch trees, for example. Um, just, just keep them healthy, keep them watered and, um, just stay out of it. I suppose there's, yeah, because we have, we don't have less care afterwards. There's not an ability to, so it's, it's all about 
uh, prevent prevention, basically. Yep. There's not a lot of reactive chemicals we can use anymore that you used to be able to come in and there's a problem, you can kind of fix it. Yep. Some of those chemicals are gone, so. Yeah, but there's like things like Dormitol, yep. right? Yeah. So Dormitol in April. People will be starting to get ready to put that on in that. April, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you see your bugs happening. They've got a lot of eastern tent caterpillar that mm-hmm. shows up in mid in the summer. And that can be prevented in April, right? So you got to do your planning for that. And, so uh, spring, with the dormant oil, what yeah. are they looking to prevent with doing the dormant oil? Yep. So actually, I think it can be controlled black knot as well. But generally for us, it's uh, insects. So insects, uh, tent caterpillars lay their eggs in clusters on the branches. Spray that dormant oil on there. It desiccates those eggs pods it desiccates any diseases that are on that tree and um, then they don't hatch and and the tree's a lot healthier we do a lot of dormant oil, really good success with it and a lot of fruit what, trees at what point in time is dormant oil something that i can apply myself or um at, at home at what point in time should i be calling an expert to do that yeah i think it's just the height requirements so we have the 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 sprayers that can go up about 40 45 feet okay but generally if somebody has an apple tree Sure, they can get out and uh, get a backpack or a handheld sprayer of dormant oil, spray down their apple tree, and it just acts as a desiccant. It acts just cleans off any diseases, fungal diseases, um, insects that are on the tree, and the tree's a lot happier. And you don't have to use any harsh chemicals. And uh, yeah. Okay, we've got to, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to talk more with uh, Robin, obviously, when we get back. We've got a couple calls that have come in, and Paul and Elsie, hang on. With Paul, we're going to talk about Saskatoon berry bushes, and Elsie and Wadena wants to talk about uh, pyramidal cedars. So we're going to get awesome. to that in just a second. We've got some text rolling in as well. Hang on tight. We'll be back more with uh, Robin. one 877 I'm Jay with Jill Van Dyke. This is Garden Talk on 980-CJME and 650-CKOM. Welcome back to Garden Talk. I'm Jay Thomas. With me, of course, Jill Van Dyke, and our special guest, Robin Adair with Arborcrest. Uh, we've Robin's here to answer some of your uh, questions when it comes to pruning and trimming and preventative maintenance and all that kind of good stuff. So we've actually got a couple calls we want to get to right now, waiting patiently on the line. I think uh, our first call in comes from Wadena, and Elsie's with us. Good morning, Elsie. Good morning. Hi there. What's your question? My question is a problem with deer eating, uh, trimming off. It's pyramidal cedars all the way from the bottom to as far as they can reach. These are about, oh, six to eight feet tall. So there's just little tufts left at the top of the cedar and wondering if these will recover. Unfortunately, they're, it's, it's not going to recover on the bottom part. No. Uh, they're all, they're probably going to look like a lollipop for a long time from, yeah. Uh, yeah. So if, if, if you still got more than, say, 70% of green on it, uh, just leave it. Um, yeah, just keep it healthy, and I know the same thing happened in my yard. Uh, there's the deer are really hungry now. A lot of snow on the ground. Yeah. I went to feed my dog this morning, and that <laughs> he just he didn't even want to go to his food bowl. He just took off. He must have smelled the scent of a deer, and he just whipped off around the corner, chasing the deer out of the yard. And, and <laughs> I look back, and my Scots pines are pruned, quote unquote. Uh, up as high as the deer could reach. So unfortunately, yeah, you now have a topiary. Yeah, you yeah. have a topiary. Yeah. So Elsie, you basically have a few little tufts of green at the top, and that, and the rest is all brown. It's gone, right? That's right. Yeah. So you know, when we when Rick's here too, we often talk about this, and that is when there's nothing but brown left, it's going to take years and years and years for that green to come back. Oh my! And you're if you want a tree that looks nice, you're best off to. Re- to get it out of there and replace it. Because, I think what we learned from Aaron last week yeah. is the best time to plant a tree is 15 years ago. So um, you, if you notice <laughs> that that is something, I wouldn't necessarily wait for it to get green again. Maybe it's time just to put a new one in or, or figure out a way that we can
to prevent that from happening. And maybe maybe it's a choice of a different tree that they're not so interested exactly. in, you yep. know, for the winter. I know that evergreens are nice. You get the green. Yep. Yeah. But when you have a deer problem, you know, that's, you'll just end up with the same thing. Yeah, so, and yeah. it's a space where it has to be sort of a narrow, like a pyramidal, not a, not a, uh, a tree with big branches. So we're kind of limited in that area, except maybe Katani Aster that we trim. Would yeah. they eat those too? Yeah, the uh, fastigiata. So the, there's a columnar blue spruce. It's beautiful. It just only grows about four or five feet wide. Okay. And um, it gets, I don't know, well, probably 20 feet tall eventually. Slow grower. But uh, those that we use, try to use as many of those as possible. And the deer don't like the spruce as much. What about a oh. pinnacle birch? Would that be okay yeah. as well, too? Uh, so interesting. Call columnar blue spruce. Columnar blue spruce, great, Lo- love it. Uh, needs you. a little bit of care, needs a little bit of fertilizer, uh-huh. uh, some iron to get the nice blue color, yeah. but it works really well. And uh, unfortunately for your cedar, I think it might be time to replace it. But there's definitely a lot of columnar varieties out there. Mm-hmm. Those narrow ones that, that stay narrow but get tall and give you some nice privacy. They, yes. they can try. Okay, or wrapping thank, them. If, thank uh, you, people that answers my question well. Thank you very much. Thanks, Elsie, take care. Okay, bye-bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Of course, you can do stuff to prevent it, right? Yeah, like um, wrapping them. So uh, I know when we planted a bunch of apple trees or crab apple trees in our yard, that's the first thing the deer come to. So what we did is put snow fence uh, up around, just put some stakes in the ground. Of course, before winter, yeah. you know, before it gets frozen, put some stakes in the ground, put some snow fence around them. Um, we've planted a lot of uh, fruit trees for clients. They want a fruit orchard in their in their acreage. Well, what's the first thing? As soon as you plant that fruit tree, the, the deer are there that it's, same night. It's like dessert. Oh, they love it. Right? They yeah. love it. Yeah. So preventative, um, put that snow fence around it or uh, the old burlap around there. What I was thinking for that caller was on getting a burlap uh, around if you have a real special cedar in your in your yard. And even in small towns, a deer will just walk right into the small town, and they'll, they're they're hungry. They're looking for some food. Well, and when we talk about trees too, like the fruit trees, you should also uh, bark wrap you can put around the trunk because yeah. if they eat right around the whole trunk, the whole tree's gone, right? Yeah. Then they'll just munch away at that bark even. So, yeah. so and most of the time you'll see rabbits and rodents right. doing that as yeah. well. Yeah, exactly. But you don't see it till the next till April exactly. once the snow is gone. Yeah. Uh oh, no more apple tree. No more apple tree. <laughs> exactly. Let's keep keep going with the calls here. One eight seven seven three three two. 8255 in Saskatoon. Paul's joining us. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, you guys. How are you today? Pretty good. 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 Um, my question is, uh, I have a lot of Saskatoon, wild Saskatoon berry trees in my yard, and they're very tall. They're, they're so tall, I, you know, I can't even harvest them. Uh, although the wax wings just came through and I think they cleaned out all the stuff on the tops, <laughs> which I don't mind feeding the birds that way, but I would like to take advantage of these, uh, these, these Saskatoons. When would be the best time to start cutting them down? Like they're 15 and 20 feet tall. Yeah. Like there's a trick we call it's called rejuvenation pruning. Um, now when you take a shrub that's, t- that's 20 feet tall and you want to get it down to something that's six feet tall, uh, it's just going to be too hard on that tree. It's going to be too, they're going to have stubs. You're going to have, uh, you know, improper cuts that you're going to have to make to get that tree down to a height that's manageable. So something you can think about is, is just rejuvenating. So actually, you know, just take a few of them, maybe a third of them and cut them right to the ground, uh, in the winter. Uh, so they've downloaded the nutrients into the roots in the fall, in October, November. So anytime from December to April, take that, 
get the chainsaw out or a good, a good hard, uh, good sharp pruning saw. Cut that shrub right to the ground, and then voila. Now, when you say right this, down to the ground, are you yeah. like right down to the soil level, or are you a few inches above it? I what like, are you I like for? cutting, flushing it right to the ground. So you okay. actually flush it about six inches. You get a, a fan rake in there, rake out the debris. There's always leaf litter and possibly rocks and things like that. Then you cut it right to the ground, right, right to the ground, and then that will because usually there's stubs, and you don't want those stubs impeding the new growth. Okay. So um, you cut it right to the ground, and then it voila, starts growing. And by August, it's it's two feet tall. If it's in full sun and it's a healthy shrub, it's two feet tall. By the next year, it's four feet tall. And within a you know a three year process, you got a nice nice manageable healthy because you got rid of diseases, you got rid of dead wood, old wood, yeah, yeah, and you got a, a beautiful shrub. And and for sustains, and you probably start harvesting after the third fourth year. So well, I was um, looking. I was looking at. Um, Planting one of those uh, hybrid trees, you know, with the big uh, with the big berries. Um, a Saskatoon, you're talking? Y- yes, yeah. So because I'm just doing a few of them, that's not going to that's not going to hamper the ability to, for the cross pollination because I do believe they need to be cross pollinated with another one, right? I think they'll pollinate. There's so many Saskatoons around; they're, they're, yeah. you're going to get a good pollination uh, depending on the year. Of course, you know, some years we don't get we get that early frost. And that impedes the, 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 the Saskatoons and fruit trees to get pollinated. But I think it sounds like you're, you know, you're probably going to get, you're going to get a good fruit production. It, any variety, though, around yeah. will pollinate other varieties of Saskatoons, right? Yeah, if yeah. someone's planting a Saskatoon berry bush, um, Smoky is like one that's really known as a hardy variety here to Saskatchewan and Manitoba. And then there's another one called Honeywood, and that one's really good, too. So if you're looking for a nice, hardy um, Saskatoon berry to add to your collection, those would be my two suggestions. Well, Jill, you have those in stock? Yes, those will be in stock this season, for sure. Fantastic. I'll be stopping in again. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> have a great day, you guys. Thanks for the question, Paul. Take care. Bye. 1-877-332-8255. Great to have Paul with us. He always uh, is joining us as well, which is great. Um, you know, we've got a couple of texts that have rolled in here as well. Um, <laughs> what, what, uh, what, I've got a couple to, to go through here. Uh, this is uh, just a simple one for... Uh, Seeds. I'm just going to go over there for a second. We've got half a minute here. Julie in Alameda says, how soon should hot peppers be started? Um, depending on their germination rate, you should be getting your hot peppers going right about now. Um, some of them are 90 to 120 days um, until harvest. So you want to start looking at that frost date count back. But getting those hot peppers um, seeded um, right now, so mid-February to, to June, I mean to March, sorry, is kind of when you want to get those started. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here. We've got a news update for everybody. We're going to get back to some of the texts that have come in, uh, talking about putting the bolts and cables through trees. Got a texter who's more interested in some of that. Some pruning questions there. Uh, Schubert cherry tree with black knot. We'll talk about that with Robin as well. Uh, join the conversation. one 332 8255 You're listening to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Thanks for listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Jay with Jill Van Dyven Dyke, and our special guest is Robin Adair from Arbor Crest. And we are talking about tree pruning today. Lots of questions coming in about that. So we're going to go to the text line right now at 1 332 8255. We're going to start with this one, the first one that came in from Wanda in Saskatoon. It says, My Schubert cherry tree has what looks like black knot on a major upright trunk, which was only visible once the leaves fell this past uh, fall. Will this be fatal? I've had regular pruning done the past but it was always on the minor branches and often out on the ends but when we get black knot in the main root robin what does that mean 
Boy, we could go on Black Knot for quite a while. <laughs> it's such a thing in Saskatoon. Um, we have that river flowing right by it through the city and all the native choke tree along the, 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 the banks of the river. And every spring those spores are flying out there and they're infecting other Schubert, or cherries and Schubert cherries. And uh, we do a lot of pruning uh, on, on Schubert cherries, taking out Black Knot and preventative pruning. Um, is only done in the winter, right? So a lot of people will, yeah, that's really important to know because if you prune a Schubert in the, in, when it's flowering or it's in leaf, that's a wound. That's a wound that that fungus can get in on and create more black knot. So for this collar, um, it just depends. Uh, yeah, if, if, the, if the black knot is dripping, we'll say off the ends of the branches, yeah, prune, prune it back for sure. Get, get rid of it. Um, get rid of that, that black knot off, off your property. Get take it to the landfill. And, um, but if it's in the trunk, you can't you can't prune the trunk. Of the trunk. <laughs> We've done carving, so you take a, a saw and you carve off that gent, gently, delicately. There's a certain way to do it. Uh, carve off that black knot off the trunk. And um, uh, but if it's if say if it's up in a in a secondary branch or a, a branch up in the tree, yeah, maybe you know you can take that branch out. And you always have to cut a foot below the point of infection, at least a, a foot. And you have to make a pr proper pruning cut down at the branch connection. You can't just leave a stub. So, the, yeah, there's lots we could talk about with Schubert, but a lot of preventative maintenance happens right now if you now, can get into your yard. You said the best time, like we know that they're spread by spores, which means they're flying through the air. We should prune them in the wintertime. But if I notice black knot on them in the spring and summer, should I just be dealing with it as I'm seeing it, if it's just a little bit, or yeah. should I wait till the winter? No, I think you can prune it out. If you see it, prune it out, because it's just going to create more black knot, right? So that's okay. a good point. Mm -hmm. um, but just just in the summer, just just minimize your pruning to just black knot. Okay. Right? But a lot of, you can see the structure so much better. Like the caller said, once the leaves fell off, yeah. that's when she noticed it. Exactly. Right? And that's actually do a lot, of, a lot of our pruning is done in the winter. But when do we get most of our phone calls? In May, after May long weekend, right? right? So, yeah. Um, well, everybody's, everybody's inside. You're not paying attention with what's going on outside. Nobody's tromping through their yard. No, it's five feet of snow. You exactly. Snowshoes. Yeah. Bring your <laughs> Practically. Tree. You know, this might be a question too that, uh, for Wanda to get a hold of, of you guys, for example, at Arborcrest, because, you know, it's hard to answer this question definitively whether that tree is finished or it can be saved without actually seeing it, right? Yeah. So, you know, Wanda, maybe maybe give Robin a call and, you know, you guys can come out and have a look at it and say, yeah, okay, we can we can probably maybe solve this problem or maybe it's time to get it out yeah. of there. You it's know? that moment you're walking into somebody's backyard and you're coming around the corner, yeah. you're like, am I going to declare this to be a removal or is it going to be something we're going to save? Right. Right? It's a moment of truth, we call it. It's like, okay... I don't so, know. This is what we have to do to your tree. Exactly. Usually, so, we're in the business of saving trees. Yeah. Right. We're not a we're not a tree removal company per se. We do tree removals, but it's not our thing. Right. I learned a long time ago that if you prune a tree and keep it keep it growing, you you build a clientele, you build a client base, and that's the rewarding part of pruning is you get to know the client, get to know their trees, and you keep the trees around. So we're we're not in the business of of removing trees per se. So generally, we'll try to try to try to save the tree if possible. Right. A definitive answer, though, we can't really give you over the over no. the radio. It's a, a see in person kind of thing. Uh, let's go to this text, which is from Rob in Bellevue. says he wants to hear more about uh, the bolts and cables. How do you install? Do you drill through? He says, we've got a whole bunch of maples in a windrow, and they're old, on the north side of our farmyard. Many branches and trunks have split over the years. Is there a good time of year for this? I'd like to salvage as many of these as I could before transplanting spruce trees in a row beside it. Yeah, really good question. Um, but just first off, I, I can't say in 30 years of doing tree work, I've never done a bolt and cable in a windrow. 
Um, generally, a Bolton cable is done in, in a, in a show, showpiece yard, in a, somebody's front yard, uh, somebody's backyard, a, a tree that's, that's, that's worth, um, you know, um, value to the, to the property. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, there is, it's, it's quite a process. Um, it's something you, you, there's nobody really teaches it, uh, how to do tree surgery. It's something you just have to be learned. You have to be mentored. I was luckily to, to be mentored by one of the best arborists in the prairies that ended up teaching a lot of, a lot of guys around the prairies and, um, and ladies as well. And, uh, so the, this, basically what you do is you, you take an auger bit. Um, actually first what you have to do is you have to get into the tree. You have to pull the tree together, uh, with the come along to pull the, to pull the crack together. And then you, you put a bolt in, into the base of the tree. So it's a threaded tie rod. You, you, you auger through, put the threaded tie rod in, you attach it with, uh, with nuts and washers in the end, uh, on their ends. And then up in the canopy, you put a, you put a cabling system in. Now that's where technology, like you said, has changed. Now there's actually dynamic systems you put in. It's called a Cobra. And it's a, it's a, it's a, instead of putting an aircraft cable up in the, the, so, the branches to hold it together, piece, yeah. solid piece. Now there's a dynamic, it's called a Cobra system that you put in that's, that, that moves, moves with the tree and lets the tree move. So, um, it's really rewarding. It's a lot of fun, but it, it's something you have to learn on the job. That's yeah. fascinating because yeah. then, because especially, you know, where, where uh, Rob is from, I mean, he's going to get lots and lots of wind, right? If you're yeah. out in the middle of nowhere, one solid aircraft cable, you're locking it together, but that might just be a disaster for breaking, right? Yeah. So, so that, that cable that allows it to move with the wind, kind of expand and contract a little bit, but yet still hold the thing together yeah. is, is the way to go. But it's a, it's a complicated process, right? Yeah. So well, you can learn a lot on YouTube, right? Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Googling. Right? Yeah. But sure. I mean, uh, really in the shelter belt situation, what you want to be doing is you want to get in there and prune. You want to get there and prune at least every with a shelter belt, probably like five to seven years. Okay. And that is, if you, I think you mentioned, uh, it was a maple. Maples are notorious for getting as wide as they are tall. Mm-hmm. And once they get wide, that's when they have that tendency to split and, and break. So if they can be pruned back properly to an upright lateral, that'll hold them together and then they'll avoid breaking. And then maybe if he's doing that planting on that spruce tree, that, um, or planting that, that, that spruce row, he'll, he'll have, give himself enough time or enough space to, to plant that spruce so that they can start to grow and then eventually the maples will Probably maybe be too old, but then you, you end up with a nice uh, spruce shelter belt. Right, so, right. So sounds like, yeah. kind of one replaces the other, and, and you keep the succession going. Yeah. So uh, I hope that helps you out, Rob. It's kind of a, a complicated question to answer, but um, there's some information for you. But it might be sound like pruning is just the way to go to, to start with there. Yeah. So, Okay, let's go to the text line again, one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. This is, I think, uh, a Jill question, and it's Bev, who's from Swift Current. Do you have climbing petunia seeds, or will you have the bedding plants? Love your show. Um, well, we have the supertunia plants available. The, the seeds, it's best to order those online. Um, I don't carry very many of them. I do get a few wave varieties, um, in the store, but, um, it's, it's, you'll probably more likely find like your tidal wave varieties and those most specific, we call those hedge petunias. Um, you'll find those online. So you can check out some of like TNT seeds or, um, a seed company like that and you'll find some there. So the climbing one's probably not going to find. Yeah. My, my, my best variety that I found for a hedge petunia is going with a tidal wave petunia. It uh, is sturdy and it gets nice and tall. 
Okay. All right. There you go. Hope that helps, Bev. And this is one from David in Saskatoon. It says, Hi, gang. Uh, I've been talking with somebody from BC about a Josta berry shrub. It's a cross between a black currant and a gooseberry. It's full of flavor and a good producing berry. How will they do in Saskatoon? Anybody carry them? Dutch growers? Yeah, we carry some Josta berries. Um, it's a newer variety for us um, at the store. Um, it They're is, hardy? It is like a zone 3 4. Um, mm. So it is hardy, but I would um, mulch it well, especially for the first, first few years. And uh, just make sure you got a couple of them so they can cross pollinate. Too. Right. And, and so it's going to need protection. Mm-hmm. And you're probably not going to want to just go plant this out in the middle of a, uh, you know, acreage yard. It's no. not going to do well. It's going to have to have, have some protection. Yeah. Right? And remember when you're getting any tree or shrub going, you want to make sure that you're giving them like a nice amount of good soil that you're planting it in. You're giving it fertilizer. And the most important thing is, is that you're planted in an area where you can get water to it. So don't plant it somewhere where you're maybe having to haul a bucket of water across the, the yard to, to get it to it. Plant it somewhere, um, where you can get a water source to it or make sure that you can easily, um, drag a hose there and get it watered on a regular basis. Our summers are really hot and dry. And I think, Robin, you can attest to this as um, the dryness is probably becoming one of the biggest problems for um, disease absolutely. and pests. It's absolutely the drought is, is becoming the number one issue. Um, we're we're going to be doing, unfortunately, a lot of removals, a lot of tree removals. Uh, you see a lot of uh, spruce. Uh, I was just driving by Brunskill School the other day in Saskatoon here. And that whole there's a whole park just west of Brunskill yeah. School. And it's all a monoculture of spruce. We call just, that the forest park. Yeah, all the time. but it's it's. I I just quick look. I I, I can tell probably fifteen percent of those trees are, are dead and dying in there, uh, right in front of uh, Lakewood Pool up by Lost Knights Mall. Mm-hmm. There's a big row of spruce right in front of there. I drive by it all the time on Primrose Drive, and it's they're, they're just these. There's twenty trees there, but they're they're dying, and um, we're seeing a lot. Going to have a lot of. Uh, of removals, unfortunately, to do uh-huh. a lot of poplar trees that are the tops are dying, mm-hmm. and um, so the tops need to be taken off before they fall and create hazards. So um, a lot of watering, a lot of mulching. So I like you brought up the mulching there. That's that's one of the biggest things right now is just getting mulch, wood chip mulch, mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. wood chip three three to four inches of wood chip mulch on the ground around those new plants, and that's it's it really saves them, really helps them out. Now, is there a thing that you could put too much mulch around the base of a tree or a plant? I did that at my own yard. Okay. And what happens when you do that? <laughs> it suffocates the, it's, well, two things. One, it suffocates the roots that are right underneath the mulch. But it actually, if you have mulch up against the trunk of the tree, it'll actually rot. The, the bark can't handle having mulch up against the, uh, up against its trunk. Um, so mulch, it's moist. It, it, you know, it rains, it holds moisture. And um, you, you can't have mulch up against uh, up against a trunk, but generally, ninety nine times of a hundred mulch works great. Awesome, if used properly. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to wrap up with uh, a few more things. We talked about some uh, urban yards, some rural yards, uh, prevention. A few more things to get through here with Robin. So if you still have questions, you can get them in. one 332 8255 This is Garden Talk on 980-CJME and 650-CKOM. It's our last segment here in Garden Talk, one 332 8255 I'm Jay with Jill Van Dyvendyke, and Robin Adair is from Arbor Crest, and he's our special guest here. This is an interesting one from Julian Battleford. It's a text that's just rolled in. Uh, have a huge Scots pine, and the deer have cleaned off the lower branches. That's okay, she says. Uh, I can remove them. She's wondering, uh, using tree pruning spray before spring getting it trimmed is that is that a recommended thing at all i know there's like a, a tree pay like a paste you can use or a pruning spray that you can spray on afterwards is that something you recommend at all yeah there's not too many preventatives for spraying like before you prune um 
It's like but, a, uh, a spray you put on the the, the, the stump afterwards. Yeah, it's usually yeah. afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's printing paste and things, but uh, that's a lot of that uh, paste and things has been ruled out by science uh, because it actually creates a barrier for the for the for the branch to or for that wound to heal. And um, well, actually, it, it, it's going to it needs to seal over properly. So generally, it's just you, you need to take a pruning course, and that's really important. Like you just how to make that proper pruning cuts, and not making a flush cut, making a nice angled cut. And that'll just the, 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 those little bottom branches on the Scots pine. I have the same thing in my yard. Mm-hmm. I, I got to get out there and prune them. It's the deer have, have pruned them all, all. Anything green that's gone off of a of a pine bough or a spruce bough, if they've taken all the needles off, that the branch is not going to grow back. So it, it just it needs to be pruned off. But yeah, once it's pruned off, it just there's no real pruning paints that are required. There's no. We don't use any pruning paint. We're pruning all the time. We don't mm-hmm, use pruning right. paint. That's right. one thing I learned from you last year when we were chatting on the show is that pruning paint is kind of a little bit of a thing of the past. It's yeah. used only in special scenarios when maybe you're trying to prevent disease from getting into a crack or something like that. But even then, letting the the, the wound callus over and yeah. letting it heal naturally is probably the most important thing or trying to figure out a way that we can keep the moisture and the bugs and the bacteria out of there while it's healing is the, is probably the most important thing. But you, like you said, is making sure you make the right cut, yeah. making sure that you're making not a blunt cut, but something that the water can run off of. Yeah, it's a 45 it's really degree important. angle, they always say. And it, you have to kind of, it depends on the tree, depends on the species. But yeah, so the water will, will, will drain off of it, but then it can kind of seal itself over. And actually, if you make a proper pruning cut, after three, four years, um, you don't even know where the pruning cut is because the tree's kind of grown over it. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's done properly. It's really neat. Uh, the second part of her question here for Julian Battleford says, the deer have also rooted around the base of this big Scott pine. Uh, there's no snow covering within five feet of the tree. So they've, they've taken it all away. And they bed down under the tree at night a lot of times. What are the chances the tree is going to survive? Sounds like it's a pretty big tree. No, I think but if they're, okay. if they're digging, would they, would they dig down and actually eat roots? Would they no, do I that? Don't think they, I've never seen them eat roots, no. no? I don't think okay. it's, it's too much work for them, but yeah. I don't think they're going to cause enough damage on the, on the roots at all. So even a five, the, a five foot diameter circle, though, kind of a flattened down of the dirt, probably not a big deal for that no, tree. The biggest no. thing that you'd have to worry about is if they start eating the bark around the, uh, the entire ring of the tree. If right. you lose that, then you have a problem. Then, then the tree is going to be gone. That's to leave that up to the porcupines. The yeah, porcupines exactly. do all that this time of year. You the see deer, that. not so much. Not so much that would bark. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, Julie probably will be okay, which is, which is the good news. Okay. We've got time to squeeze in one more call here. This is going to be a thing for one for Jill here. Mike is in Saskatoon. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Hi there. What's your question for us? Well, I got the garden first year, went good. Last year, uh, rotated potatoes, and uh, half of them had blight, and the beets just rotted in the ground. Well, there just could, wondering what's going on. There could be a few things that's going on. Um, we had a really wet start to the spring last year, and then it went from wet and into like almost a drought. So the inconsistency of being able to water is is probably the biggest thing. And a lot of times, like we have irrigation on these areas, and we try our best to like keep it consistent. But when we're so so saturated early on in the season, a lot of times you know, that's when you get that bacteria and those disease into those areas. So unfortunately, we were seeing a lot of that last season um, and people didn't have as good a crop. So I would say, you know what, let's rotate your crop area again. Don't plant those potatoes and those um, ground crops in the same spot as you did last year. And um, just really watch your your moisture areas um, when I'm planting some of those ground 
ground crops and I know we have a, we're having a wet season upcoming, I'll try and mound around there so that the water's running away instead of it running to those areas um, is really important, especially that early season. We, um, we don't really know what we're going to be getting year to year. So. And the other question I have for Mike is, are you using, are you adding any manure or compost or anything like that to the garden? Yeah. No, it's just freshly broke soil. Okay. Yeah, in their prairie for eons. Yeah, so if you have too much manure or compost, um, those root crops, they, they don't like that um, as much. So that's something that usually with some, I'll ask a question about that. So okay. Thanks, Jay. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. But, you know, don't get discouraged, Mike, because, you know, I have family members who've got gardens that thing, it just kind of goes in cycles, ups and downs, yo-yos, where they'll have two or three good years of awesome stuff, and then it's the but same garden. And, what happened? Yeah, and, and then the next two or three years, the potatoes suck. So... Yeah. You know, it it kind of just comes and goes. Yeah, and it's okay. really good to be watching those things, though, because you have to be paying attention to when you have to rotate your crops. So good job for catching that, and um, we can just try and hope for good weather and preventing it for next year. Okay, thanks. Thanks, take care. All right, well, that is almost the end of the show here. We're pretty much got to wrap this thing up. So got to thank you, Robin, for coming in today. It's yeah, been thanks great. for having me. That's yeah, awesome. Absolutely phenomenal uh, advice and, and great information. If you want more, you know, you want to know more, uh, get a hold of Arborcrest. Get a, you know, find them on the website and, and uh, Google them. You're going to find them pretty easy, and they can be your experts. If you're thinking, oh, man, that tree is huge. I got to get it fixed, pruned down a little bit, or you want to do some maintenance, that's the way to go. Yeah. Thanks yep. for coming. Yeah. We got to run. Thanks for joining us. We'll be. Uh, we're not going to have a live show next week. We're pre-recorded next week. Next so. week we're pre-recording and we're talking about seed starting. So. Exactly. Okay. Thanks for listening to Garden Talk. You're on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.